Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Finding Your Freedom podcast. I'm so happy to have you guys here, and we have an amazing episode for you guys this week. You guys might have seen on Instagram, but all the episodes are going to be coming out on Monday now, and I feel really good and really excited about that and excited to get some amazing guests on the podcast for you guys and shift into this new energy with 25 and Virgo season ending and moving into Libra season and Mercury retrogrades and fun stuff like that. Um, As far as any life updates before we get into the episode, yeah, still on the Outer Banks, kind of in the process of leaving, but I'm not sure when that is. Um, Yeah, and focusing more on business stuff. So like I said last week, a lot of fun stuff is going to be coming out soon, so definitely stay in touch about that. The best place to find out about that is on Instagram, and my email list will be starting soon, so you guys can learn about more stuff there as well. But yeah, for today's episode, I don't want to have too many announcements or talk about too many other things because yeah, I'm just super excited for today's episode. Um, Today we have on Colin Bedell and honestly, he has been one of my dream guests to have on the podcast and I have been wanting to have an episode about astrology for so long and I'm so excited that Colin was able to come on. We just had the most fun conversation and I think anyone that's a little bit familiar with astrology or kind of dipping their toe in this is a good episode to kind of yeah just to learn more about it and I think the way Colin kind of talks about it and explains it is you know astrology as a tool for personal growth development and having healthier relationships and just kind of one of the things in our toolbox for living a self-actualized and fulfilled and life and kind of following our soul's purpose. So that's what I use it for. And I think it's just a really fun tool. And Colin and his fun Gemini self makes it even more fun for us. And his fun Britney dancing videos, of course, make astrology even more fun. So yeah, I'm really excited for you guys to hear about it. And I plan to have Colin back on in December for a Venus retrograde. And we can talk about that then. Um, because yeah, we talked a lot about astrology and other fun things, but we need to talk more about relationships and how to kind of use knowing your partner's astrology and relationships and how this helps us when interacting with others and just any types of relationships, not just romantic, but I don't want to wait any longer. This episode is amazing. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it and hear my conversation with Colin. So a little bit about today's guest. Colin Bedell is a queer Gemini twin from Long Island, New York. He's a passionate student of secular personal growth systems and the universal spiritual themes explored in A Course in Miracles. Well and Good magazine listed Colin as one of the most influential people in the wellness industry and as a 2020 innovator. Complementing his work with Queer Cosmos, Colin's weekly horoscope writer for Cosmopolitan.com. His best-selling first book, A Little Bit of Astrology, from Sterling Publishers, debuted November 2018. His second book, Queer Cosmos, The Astrology of Queer Identities and Relationships, which launched 
last November was ranked the number one astrology book for beginners by the Daily Dot magazine, and his third book, Gemini by Sterling, debuted January January 2020. So that's a little bit about Colin. Um, Yeah, so let's get into the episode. I am so excited for you guys to hear this one. Got it. All right. So the first question that I ask everyone, because it's the Finding Your Freedom podcast, is what have you been finding your freedom from lately? Ooh, that's a great question. Because I think the fact that you're asking freedom from, freedom to, freedom with, I love that you're qualifying at that. I have actually been trying to find my freedom from an overemphasis on compliance, duty, demand and environmental pressures okay okay tell me more about that yeah because (laughs) I think that I'm a Capricorn stellium for anybody who's listening and knows astrology fairly well so I really love um responsibility structure like I need to do this because this is my job and I have to and I've loved it so far but there's something happened in the middle of 2021 where I was just like you know what I need to vote, cultivate, and expand more space for me to just be in not just the productivity of life, but the poetics of life. And that's why I went to California and gallivanted there for a few months and like didn't commit my calendar with a ton of things. You know, I just really gave myself time and space to just be and also to just kind of idle and research and listen and it was beautiful. I really, and I feel completely renewed from that. And I recognize what a privilege that, how I wish it was a privilege because like we all deserve a sabbatical, but that's what I feel like I've really cultivated freedom from is just an overemphasis on compliance. Yeah. 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 I definitely feel that and understand that so much with like the, the Virgo sun energy in my chart. I feel like I was in structure so intensely for so much of my life and letting go of that has been so freeing. Oh, I'm sure. And you probably (laughs) in true Virgo Gemini fashion have both structure and freedom, right? Like you can't, I don't know how to get to freedom, but through structure sometimes, but maybe the structure is telling a lot of people, no, I can't and state just what's the urgency, you know, setting myself free from that belief that like immediacy equates to productivity or immediacy equates to love and loyalty of that. I just thought, you know what? I need to spend this summer and this time completely cultivating my own space and my own autonomy and thinking about who I want to be in the space of this too much productivity. Yeah yeah good question (sighs) I think that's so important and I I think for me for maybe 22 years of my life I feel like I was only expressing as the Virgo-ness so I was Mm. so structured you know like Mm. bedtime was like 10 30 p.m and like (laughs) 
get right. up at 6 a.m. and like everything right. had to be like this. Right. And then for like two years, I was just like full Gemini. And it was so fun. <laughs> it is a ton of fun. I'm, I'm so glad you acknowledged that because that's what it feels like. Like we're always on the move, flying from something, running from something, but like just in motion. And it's, I love being an air sign. It's a blast, but I also love the earth qualities too, you know, and that's really the beauty of your sun sign, particularly is like flexible freedom, you know, flexible structure, flexible earth. That's what I love about Virgos. Related yeah. birthday PS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think for me, when I found out like Virgo and Gemini were all mutable, it felt yeah. very like true for me because I feel like I'm very adaptable for things and like I don't know oh, good. Made sense. yay good yeah <laughs> and our others are Sagittarius and Pisces we're the mutable gang and it's certainly yeah if you know not to bring up JK Rowling's methods all the time but I think if if astrology was divided into like three houses cardinal fixed and mutable I would totally be in the mutable at Hogwarts Gemini Sag Virgo Pisces but that's my brethren 100% I love it wait what what house do you think you would be in at Hogwarts then? So I <laughs> took the test and I was okay. astonished by the answer. But wait, you go first. What did you take and what did you get? I don't, what do you think I got? <laughs> Probably Ravenclaw or maybe because Virgos are so intelligent. So they could be Ravenclaw. But based on your Earth vibes, I'm like, maybe she got Hufflepuff. I don't know. Okay, Which one did you, what did you get? Um, I got Gryffindor, but I thought oh, I was going to be Ravenclaw. <laughs> I know. So you must have been like, I don't know about this sorting hat. I mean, what's <laughs> going on here? Yeah. I thought I was going to get Gryffindor right away because I'm a Leo rising. So I'm like, naturally, right? The Leo, the lion, the Gryffindor. And it, I don't know what happened, Madeline. Like, as I was touching <laughs> it, it literally just went green. Like, bitch, you're a Slytherin. And I was like, okay. <laughs> So I was like, I guess I am a little bit of a Slytherin fine. Okay. It was funny. <laughs> I think Gemini has Slytherin vibes, like a little bit. We could. And also I have a Capricorn moon. So like they, they can be very Slytherin. So I was like, all right, I might as well just embrace it. But hey, I mean, I'm sure we would be, we would be the ones who were friends in class and like, you know, trying not to encourage any more, you know, sure we would get along just fine like we are now <laughs> yeah before before we got on this call it was so funny I was looking at your like new moon and Virgo thing and I saw oh the, yeah and I saw the meme of uh the girl asking if there was like homework and I was like uh. that was so me <laughs> <laughs> I was like wait I know we're ending class but like what's the homework <laughs> I did that <laughs> I am so glad you resonated with that I know so her name is Cleo Trappa, and all she does is make me laugh. She's a native New Yorker. She's from Staten Island. She's a tourist girl. And I know, tour, like, Virgos were the ones in class who were like, you can do the homework. And everyone was like, come on. Why? Yeah, yeah, Right? And leave it to Virgo to be like, I don't give up. If you didn't do it, I did it. I want it graded, you know? So, hmm, which one is very Virgo? That one. And that's the one I stuck <laughs> yes yes that's so funny I was talking to a friend who's an Aries before this about that and explaining I was always like the one to ask about homework and he was like I just didn't do the homework and I was like of course (laughs) I know it also feels very Aries right like I don't care who's asking about it I'm not doing it (laughs) 
But you know what? Not to totally derail the conversation, but I just had a, a reading with a client earlier who was an Aries moon. And it connects to the things that we just touched on. And also to your friend's point, because yeah, I, obviously, especially in the pandemic and as uh, finding our connection with our common humanity and the people who we're living with, there are absolutely times and places for rules and a certain level of here's the ethics behind why we're going to want to do these things. So whenever others feel like they are being compliant or that they need, have to, must do something, they're apt to feel skeptical and suspicious, especially Aries. So it's just funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, the minute Aries feels like they're responsible or duty driven by something like, ugh, just because I have to, now I don't want to, right? Whereas, you know, other zodiac signs find comfort in that, but I just thought that was an interesting intersection of the points. Yeah. And I, I think I've, I think I've become more, if, if I feel responsible and I have to do something, I hate doing it. I know. So me I and know. the, me and the friend, like, I feel like we bond and like vibe off of that because now I feel like the Gemini also doesn't like that it's like no I'll just like see it from a million perspectives and choose which one feels fun so that's true and like I changed my mind and so I know I said I had to do this yesterday but guess what I don't want to right I know I'm feeling so right now if you don't mind my asking and you don't and you feel comfortable sharing it how old are you uh 25 okay so yeah you're pre-Saturn return basically I would say yeah, you really don't have to get super compliant until you're sad in return. So do you have a Saturn in Pisces, I would imagine? Are you, were you born in 1997 or 1996? 96, so it's Saturn and Aries. Oh, you have a Saturn? Oh yeah, you got plenty of time. Plenty of time before you have to worry about anything too compliant and duty. Oh yeah, that's what, and that's what the 20s should only be about, Madeline, just to be like so real with you. <laughs> Like, take it from your Mercury older brother. The, the 20s are absolutely about the experimentation of what you like, what you don't like, who you like it with, who you don't like it with, what level of results do you want to have, what instruction is helpful. You don't have to grow up astrologically until 30 to 33. Good. I could push it back even later. <laughs> right. You're like, and who says I even have to do with that? I have a Saturn in Aries. Come on now. And that's what is folks are going through a Saturn return but yeah you know I think and that's what the client was into she's a little bit older than you I think only by two years and she's also feeling like I just don't want to do anything that is demanded of me until you know another three or four years I want to change my career I might want to get a divorce I'm like good for you (laughs) do what you got to do so anyway I just love that we're going on this point of like compliance versus desire or something yeah Yeah. And I feel like I lived my life for so long based on responsibility and like living up to some sort of thing that it feels so much fun and so much more freeing to live based on desire. Oh my God. It really does. And I, and that's it to be honest with you. I don't think any Zodiac sign has a greater commitment than Aries. And if that's your Saturn, that makes a ton of sense. Um, I believe that might be your Jupiter as well. No, no. Oh wait, no, you were, Jupiter in um, either Capricorn or Pisces. Hmm. Yeah, but it's Pisces. I'm gonna look yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm yeah, curious. yeah. It's Capricorn or Pisces, but the Saturn means that. Do you did you find it? Yeah, it's Capricorn. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So I think did I say Aquarius? Yeah, Capricorn, Aquarius, Pisces. I'm not good at like quick math because that's how I do it. I near the transits, but anyway. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, you having a Saturn in Pisces, that is what connects you to this conversation of like structures through, through freedom or the clash of compliance. Nobody knows that better than Aries. And because Aries is the first zodiac sign that we have, I always look at the, the transits of Aries, Aries influence people, Aries of um, configurations as the context, as the vision for desire. And when we are owning our wanting and doing what we want without hurting other people, that's how we connect to our life force, our vibrancy, our passion, our radiance, autonomy, all those things. So, yeah. Yeah, this conversation's, it's its so funny because I, I guess I called him my Aries friend, but it's my my Aries boyfriend. And I was like, oh. he was like, are you going to talk about me in the podcast? I was like, no, I would no. never. We're no, not going to talk about Aries at all. I, and those motherfuckers, they knew they were going to be talked about, right? Well, yeah. I, I just hung out with my Aries moon best friend yesterday. I had an Aries client today. Um, I love Aries energy for that reason. I think that there's a lot of wisdom in their experience because they're like the first, the baby, the, 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 you know, we don't look at the wisdom of the beginner's mind or the wisdom of connecting to desire and owning the wanting. We kind of don't even pay attention to that. So I'm glad we're giving them their reverence right now. <laughs> yes. It's an Aries vibe day. I don't know. It, it is. Meanwhile, <laughs> we have Chiron in it's the moon just entered Scorpio. Venus is going to enter Scorpio in a bit. Who knows? Maybe we're just connecting to the Aries energy a little bit more frequently. And if, if we're running with it, they probably do deserve it. So fine. <laughs> fine, I <guess>. <laughs> fine. I know. Whatever. Technically, we're still in Virgo season. We should be honoring the Virgo. But if Aries just want a minute to celebrate how great they are, we'll fucking do it. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah, you're like, actually, no. I would still like to do, but I, I want to be about Virgos right now. Okay. And I respect the hell out of that because my Virgo sisters, I, I celebrate them all day, every day. They're phenomenal and surreal. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome. Yeah. Well, I'd love to hear kind of like your story of becoming an astrologer, like whatever you feel like sharing. I know it sounds like you grew up in a house where astrology was talked about and then it was kind of had like a, I guess like a swift change into it from uh, signs from the universe in uh, the nature of being fired, which I have experienced as well. <laughs> oh, wow. Someone did their Virgo research. Oh, okay. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you want to say more about that? I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. About being fired or? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't want, go ahead. Um, no, you can talk about it first. <laughs> All right, yeah, then we'll be like, it's crazy. Yeah, so my story into astrology, I would argue probably sounds like most other people's because it's like, I think what unites each and every one of us, regardless of use astrology or, or not, is that I think we're all questioning meaning and just trying to figure out who we are, why we're here, who we're serving, you know, just those deep, deep, deep questions. And I think that astrology was the only school of thought that synthesized so many of my favorite things and also was a space that provided almost immediate clarity and answers like uh i growing up as a young gay boy in the early 90s uh i loved sailor moon right so i loved all things about the planets i loved mythology types i loved astronomy i was i thought i was going to be an astronaut that was my first career goal and so astrology was a, was, a, was a space that really brought together all the things that I loved in popular culture or just in, you know, world culture, like mythology, et cetera. 
And I was just so, so, so impressed by its ability to accelerate and intensify conversations. I mean, it, it, there are spaces for small talk in astrology. I'm not anti-small talk by any stretch, but you really, man, if you're going deep with astrology, you start revealing substantial information about yourself. And I loved that. And then in my late 20s, when I sort of had idea, it really, that's all it was. It was just like, all right, let me just start this website called Queer Cosmos with my best friend, the Aries Moon, right? I was like, you know, her and I have been studying systems of personal growth, astrology, and spirituality for the vast majority of our 20s. And there is something about applying it in New York City that I think provides a little bit of a distinction, right? Because uh, one of the benefits of living in a city like New York is that you are meeting endless amounts of people, which is a phenomenal laboratory for whether or not you really grapple with spirituality the way you think you do, you know? Like it's easy to be spiritually enlightened in the middle of Joshua Tree when there's no sign of human life for 65 miles, okay? <laughs> it's not so easy when you're stuck on the F train trying to get to a, a lecture hall that you're missing and you have all your art supplies and then this, the subway is late, okay? Like that's hard. I, what we're doing here. So her and I were like, oh, let's just make a website and we'll post our ideas about what we're experiencing. And two weeks after, to the day, I was fired from my day job. And uh, it was actually on my mother's birthday. And I started learning about astrology through my mother, which is so funny. She was talking about it in the household a ton. And yeah, and then I was just really realizing, okay, it's, I'm 27 years old. People have been telling me to do this for years. I have this opportunity to not stress too much about finances because of the unemployment I was receiving from the wonderful state of New Jersey. And I was like, okay, let me just see what happens. And for two months, when I just really started to kind of apply what faith taught me and created a life from vision and not circumstances, that's how I got that I'm doing. And it certainly wasn't easy. It was absolutely terrifying. There's still some days when it is, uh, but it was just, um, it was definitely a pre-sign and return assignment. And then on the week that I was receiving my unemployment, that was when I got contacted by my publisher who offered me a literary contract all in the same week. So I was like, well, this is friggin' miraculous. And I've been really passionate about the work, uh, my gosh, really ever since and way before. <laughs> yeah, that's my story. I love hearing about that. And I love kind of like tracing back people's stories. And there's always like little pieces of it in like childhood yeah. of like, oh, I, it's so cool. And like I was into the moon or magic or like whatever it may be. And then seeing it kind of all come together in a way is so cool. Yeah, well, I forgot who said it, but it was what's loved in childhood never leaves the heart. You know, and it's, <laughs> I know I could cry. It's about the truth though. Yeah, what is loved? In, and I loved these conversations. Like you were saying, you probably loved all things metaphysical, magical, witches, the esoteric, the paranormal. Yeah, and like, that's what's so phenomenal about like into these mediations and these stories and these symbols because they are portals, honestly, and coded messages and, and instructive and it's so interesting that we dismiss that, rely on other sources of the world that are not necessarily the most instructive and helpful, right? Like, well, according to this skill set and according to this, this is what you should be doing, you know? So anyway, yeah, I love it.
Yeah, that goes back to the whole non-compliant theme. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, and, and it's just also a quality of, well, really the way to kind of impact the most world realize you're not always of this world. None of us are. And of course, we're going to lean on grounded research, evidence-based study and science and health and relationships, absolutely. And so we're going to let our faith take us to other places as well. I think we can do both. Definitely, definitely. And yeah, when I heard about your story of, of also being fired, it's so funny. I like started my business and started branding. And I think I just got it in my first coaching client also two weeks before I was fired. And I was like, okay. <laughs> right. All right. I was like, this... all right, universe. <laughs> I see you. I see you. And what were you doing previously? Um, I was working in neuroscience research at a Harvard affiliated hospital. <laughs> Excuse the hell out of me. <laughs> okay. Were you in Boston or was this Harvard affiliated hospital down in North Carolina? I was in Boston. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. So you were literally studying the brain. You are so mercury. It's not even funny. Gemini Virgo. Oh, so, funny. So mercury. <laughs> so mercury. So mercury. And like, what I also think is really marvelous about our astrologies, more so yours, because you have the, the mercury, uh, you have the two signs ruled by mercury, the personal planets in, this, in the top big three. But these are archetypes that are meant to uh, sort of speak intelligently in many different arenas, like uh, secular evidence-based research, Harvard-affiliated hospital, the neuroscience, and also metaphysical, spiritual, and esoteric spaces. Like we are the bridge builders between the on earth as it is in heaven energy. That's why we go back and forth, you know, and that's such a strength of our zodiac signs. And uh, I'm so glad we're leaning on them for our work. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I had a very, uh, I had a very interesting experience in research to like say the least and got to see some very interesting sides of, uh, of research. Oh gosh. Do you want to share <laughs> any of that? Or you like, don't want to like, you don't want to put the lid off just yet. What did you say? I mean, I, I honestly just saw a lot of like the shadow sides, like the negative sides of research, which were pretty I don't know, pretty jarring for me. I was like, okay, this is, this mm. is how this is handled here of it being more about like getting grants and writing as many papers as possible versus like mm. the day to day of actually helping people. And I was right. my Virgo, like wanting to be of service. Part of me was not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, I cannot express the best of my sun sign at this Harvard affiliated hospital. So I'm just going to have to leave. No, but you were let go, right? And that's what happened. Wow. What? You said you were let go though. So you didn't even make the decision. I had like put in my mind that I was going to quit at this certain time frame, and then was like, let go in like a very interesting way. And it was, um, they basically said that they didn't like that I was doing my own business. And that was like part of it. And I was like, this is so funny. I, like I feel like it's all so connected because it was funny that that was like the thing that they really didn't like whoa and you know what I'm pretty sure one of the workbook lessons of A Course in Miracles is basically like I cannot belong to two worlds so it's like yeah what 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 world are we in 
probably things are are sustained by money and grant writing and if you can't measure it it doesn't exist right (laughs) or are we in the laws of the non-real metaphysical world that posit certain levels of reality that are holding up this one that are sacred and a little bit more divine and sufficient and peaceful and yeah yeah well I'm glad you're in the, the the world you belong in it seems that makes me happy yeah, I definitely felt like I was wearing a mask in the other oh, world. It was yeah. not fitting. No, and I bet though, as you continue working in this industry, you'll see how certain experiences at that hospital were helpful and were probably applied right now. Because yeah. no experiences, right? But I hear you. I think there is a moment when we have to sort of kind of say, all right, I am a citizen of this world or that one, Yeah. Definitely. And I, I learned, I learned so much in that world, but like the universe was like, you've got to go. 100%. Now is the time. <laughs> and it's amazing how it does that for us. Right. Yeah. It is. It's not right away. You're freaking scared. And you're like, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? Right. But it, you know, we're so much my wonderful friend and colleague, Melissa Mortimer at my Philly Melissa on Instagram. She always says that we are so much more supported than we realize. And it uh, makes me think of what Joseph Campbell in Aries, the author of A Hero with a Thousand Faces, has said was that when people ask, he was this phenomenally successful world-renowned scholar of comparative mythological systems. And he had a phenomenal career in academia and also in popular culture and entertainment. He helped George Lucas create Star Wars based on his understanding of mythology. So we had all these amazing connections from, again, academia to um, entertainment. And when people ask, like, Joe, how did you get so successful? He would always say, a thousand invisible helping hands. Yes. And are we all being helped by those hands all the time? Yeah. So, or at least I think we are. I think we are too. I, yeah. I think it's funny with I think with me, I've resisted trusting a lot more. So I've made this, I've made this year harder for myself than I needed to make it. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. That's okay. I don't like what, I don't want to like say the wisdom of getting older, but there is something about getting older, honestly, where you're like, you know what, if it's not simple and can be practically applied, I don't want it. Yeah. We love to complicate things. We don't have to, it can be simple. So anyway, yeah, I'm with you on that. We all do it. We definitely do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious, like kind of in your transition and just in general, like how do you kind of look at charts or look at your astrology and how did that kind of play into you finding like a good fit as far as like career and like touching on kind of like all the aspects of you or how do you support other people and kind of using their chart to kind of figure out what that could be for them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that I, well, right when I was advancing my study of astrology by going to uh, what's called NCGR, which stands for the National Council of Geocosmic Research. Uh, It's a nonprofit research uh, group for astrology and others. So when I started going to those classes and talking to professional astrologers for like the first time in my life in my early 20s, right, um, I had also started a study into A Course in Miracles. And so I found A Course in Miracles right after uh, my Jupiter return, which is something, a transition you're going through right now. And it beautifully explained what I suspected to be true my whole life, 
which was that there are only two emotions. There are love and fear. What is natural in this world is love. And we are taught that love is unnatural to our human existence, which is not. And we wonder why we're in the state of chaos that we're currently in. And when I started advancing that study, it also brought up other ideas like each and every one of us are given a highly individualized spiritual curriculum that's meant just for us. And it's only up to us whether we learn through joy or through pain. And I was really struck by the tone of this work and how it does deliver some provocative messaging with very strong authority. And to a point where you're like, I don't believe that this is untrue. (laughs) So clearly something's to be said about this, right? So what's been baked into the cake of the way that I experience and inquire about really anything esoteric is how does the Course of Miracles look at it and how does astrology look at it? So the way that I look at my astrology and the astrological charts of others is that each and every one of us are given a highly individualized spiritual curriculum that helps us self-actualize to our highest level of creative possibility. And I approach every reading, every horoscope, and every, because I I teach and lecture fairly frequently, and I approach every single one of those experiences from those vantage points, because I believe that astrology is the way that my uh, colleague, Jalisa Cypress says, it is a proposal, it is not a promise, And if we apply what this proposal is saying, we will express our function on earth because it was written in the heavens. And my God, do people seem, they're hungry for that level of clarity, for that vision. And I think what also has been really embedded into my work is, frankly, the literature of social and the methods and the frameworks that social workers discuss, right? Like, the strengths-based perspective by Dennis Salibi, who was a Virgo who taught out of the University of Kansas, meaning that he developed this so that uh, clients and participants uh, of social workers felt that they had the agency, the self-definition and the empowerment to look within their inner resources and have the power to uh, transform and experience some really heartbreaking realities because of institutional racism, institutionalisms, patriarchy, all those things. And so, what, again, what's kind of at the cornerstone work of my work is astrology, of course, and miracles, um, social workers' ideas on uh, personal development, and probably relational work of uh, Brene Brown, Marianne Williamson, Esther Perel, Bell Hooks, and Sonia Renee Taylor for relational literature and relational psychodynamics. Yeah, I love I love hearing about like all the different things that influence kind of like your work and yeah it's it's so interesting because I I feel like when I was like having my spiritual awakening or whatever you want to call it yeah (laughs) just like grabbing on to different things and um, like finding new belief systems after like like throwing out all the old ones and yeah it's it's such like an interesting process it is. I like that you said interesting because I experienced it <laughs> like most people do. Or I should say, I don't know, you know, like a full tilt catastrophe. Oh my Lord. I felt like I was evicted off the premises of my own life. But yeah, it's, you know, I did have this, this question of what level of my thinking and hate behavior got me here? You know, like I love how they say in recovery circles, your best thinking got you here. 
So you might want to learn a different level of thinking so you can get to where you need to be. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's certainly an interesting process, but I think that's the beauty of time in our, in, of anyone's life because of the surplus of information that we have. There is absolutely no shortage of rich personal, relational, and information that can help us make meaning uh, and understand our spiritual beliefs. And then most, 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 most importantly, I think really determine, does it work? And do I get the results that I want? Because ultimately belief in astrology, meaningless. It's experience for after. So, yeah. 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 I just think of the, the Gemini in both of our charts and it's like, we're the sponge, like trying to soak in as many things as we can. 100%. And amazing is we can, to the best of our capability, talk about some really loaded topics, almost in the Trojan horse, right? That's big Gemini energy, right? Because if people feel like they're being lectured at or condescendingly taught at or like I have all the answers because I'm the sage on the stage and you just need to open up your mind and let me pour all my information in it they have no listening or curiosity or receptivity to anything we're doing but I think because Gemini is mutable air right it's it has a certain level of levity with its critical thinking it could teach through entertainment it could teach through comedy it could teach through a bunch of different approaches And uh, that's why us as the sponge, like really utilizing the fact that we're constantly connecting connective tissue between some really textured and sometimes complicated, you know, spiritual metaphysical systems to uh, metaphorical symbols or a story and allegory that people just get, we're doing what we need to do. Definitely. And I, I think that's making making me think of and like bringing up, I feel like during this interesting time we've been, I've really tried to be like the bridge or the messenger between, you know, people that are vaccinated, people that are not. And like, yeah. how can we bring more nuanced conversations to both sides and not say either side is bad? How can we have like a deeper 100%. understanding of the motives of both sides and like be a bridge? So like, like you said earlier, we can just all like return to, to love instead of fear that is making us hate each other yeah and it it really is that we are a nation in contempt you're absolutely right and if you want further work there uh, or further literature to support this is a wonderful book think again by adam grant he wrote it right after covid um, and used examples of uh vaccinations and I believe he had to publish it before uh, the Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson and Johnson all came into the uh, medical lexicon. But he spoke about more so like vaccine hesitancy with uh, mothers and their children, and like certain conversations that can bridge the understanding. Because I think that's what people want: is they want to feel like they're understood. And if you don't understand, you have absolutely no basis to go into advice giving, problem solving, and here's what you need to do. If others do not feel like they're being understood, they just feel like they're trying to be persuaded, they just intellectually, emotionally shut the fuck down. 100%. Yeah. So it's so funny because... I actually, I think I was seeing a video of, of AOC and she was actually talking about like, I guess, kind of convincing people to get a vaccine or just having a conversation. And like, I feel like she has 
can say things that are pretty nuanced, but like, I never kind of know, I guess, with people that are politicians. And she was saying like the most important skill in like talking to someone about vaccination is emotional intelligence. And I was like, okay, okay, AOC. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know her astrology? No, I don't. I'm so curious. Um, She is a Libra sun and an Aries moon. So back to Aries, I know. And she, and yeah, back to the distinction and the nuance, leave it to a Libra. (laughs) Leave it to a Libra to like be the depolarizing figure in astrology, which I certainly need to remember. I can be very like my way or the highway. So it's wonderful to witness other people. Yeah, just really demonstrate what understanding and bridge building looks like in not just in conversation, but in practice as well. Definitely, definitely. And I think I was going to touch on earlier, just kind of the whole concept of like using your chart to find like your career and everything. And like, it's such like a fun process. Like, I I don't know, it's so fun to like, look at all the different things and like, yeah, allow yourself to be everything that like, that reflects you. Yeah, yeah. And allow yourself to kind of look at this big picture and say, because there's a lot of different ways to unpack what the natal chart has to say about your professional country. I, I know some astrologers look at the sixth house as an example. Um, I look at a welcome to New York. People listening to loud music. We're going to keep it because it's authentic to, I don't know if you yes. but it's authentic to, <laughs> it's authentic to the location. No. So I look at houses um, six and 10 in the natal chart. Right. But I don't, long story short, I think sixth house, is the uh, consistent activity and habits that we form every day to hold the energy of what the 10th house wants to express on earth. And the 10th house is also known as in the chart. It is a section of the chart that is, although not in the Northern hemisphere, it is the topmost section of the chart. It's the Northern section. And so one could that symbol as a suggestion of, wow, so because it is at the highest point in the chart, are these the gifts and abilities that we are receiving from the most high? That's look at it, right? And again, why would we be getting these gifts and abilities if the universe was going to abandon us with the means of its accomplishment? Does it, is a fish born without, you know, a tail? Are birds born without wings? Not totally. So that's what we're experimenting with is, you know, does astrology help open up a vision or what's capable for us? And uh, it's fun. You're right. It's a process. It's discovery. Um, and it's, it just makes me feel supported. Once again, really supported in these sometimes chaotic, messy, shameful, painful, vulnerable, uncertain method of us becoming the people we're capable of. Definitely, definitely. From that conversation, I know you touched on this earlier too, like kind of what do you have to say to people that are like skeptical of astrology? It sounds like you operate kind of from like, I'm not like, you don't have to believe in it. You like see it play out. And that's exactly, exactly. And I think it's great. I mean, I would say to anybody like, look, just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it's real. You know, I'm just, I'm working this out like everybody else. And I sound convinced today, but I can change my mind, you know, but I would say to the skeptic, Hey, keep being skeptical. That's great. It's just typically a sign of critical intelligence. So what I would offer the skeptics is the fact that I really do not believe in astrology. I 
faith-based astrology. And because I can't give the skeptic my experience, I could just simply say that when I apply what astrology teaches me in my life, personally, relationally, and professionally, my life works. So my life results prove that. And I'm pretty convinced. And I would tell them, you might want to try it sometime. And if it's not for you, that's okay. I hope you do find, though, whatever works for you. Because, you know, from A Course in Miracles to astrology to the Kabbalah to uh, any theological, mystical system, you know, Buddhism, mystical Christianity, uh, Christian science, Hinduism, all these things, it claims no monopoly on truth. But every single approach is trying to help each and every one of us develop inner peace and love given and received. That's all it is. Yes. However you get there, just get there. And I'm not going to worry about how you get there. Don't worry about how I'm getting there. All we got to ask ourselves is, is it working? Because you and I both know, having lived in North Carolina, there are many people in this state that claim to believe in a loving God. And what do they do in the name of that loving God? Bad things. <laughs> right, yeah. Hate you know, everyone. <laughs> right. Lock a lot of people out of their hearts. So we're not interested in belief and doctrine and dogma and the, the idiosyncrasies of a belief system. That's not what we're after. We're trying to run straight to the experience. And again, my life results prove that it works. So I hope people find whatever works for them. Completely. And I think the Gemini in you and the Gemini in me, like I, <laughs> I feel like I'm allergic to certainty or that people, when people oh. see things in spirituality as oh. astrology is real. And it's like, is it though? But I like it and I believe in it, but is it real? Like what's real? What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I, we should be the Gemini's that go to those places where, yeah, the teachers are a little too certain and just go each yeah, like, let me see your work cited page. I know, because honestly, in the level of some predictive analysis in astrology, I'm constantly looking at uh, some work in, in, in my industry. Like, I don't know where you get off thinking the right to say those things, you know, and or like, so what? You're trying to make the uncertain certain? Like, what? So no, I couldn't agree more with you. I could not agree more with you. Yeah, and I think when spirituality or astrology or, you know, whatever it may be, the way it rubs people the wrong way is trying to sell people certainty. Oh, I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And, but what's interesting that that, I, I can't say this for sure, so I don't want to, um, you know, go too far, but I have noticed a certain, um, what should we say, I guess, pattern or uh, influence where astrologers really believe that they can, where it's like prediction only, determinism only. And I'm just like, whoa, this is a very slippery slope. (laughs) You know, like that is dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I've just noticed that in spirituality in the personal development world that it's like a little bit of that. But for me, the way I've, it's never really rubbed me the, the wrong way. Cause for me, it's always like consume everything and then like keep what I want. So I've never, Love it. <laughs> I'm like, whatever, they can keep thinking that they're, they know everything. That's fine with me. I don't care. <laughs> right. Uh, and that's some big Gemini energy too. Of like, thank God we have the ability to just like put things in the air and say like, I'm going to stop caring about this because 
it's not putting any money in my pocket. It has nothing to do with me. So goodbye. Yes. Yes. And um, <laughs> I wanted to say to this like relationship that I'm now and it's like the first one where he's actually liked astrology and we get to talk about it and oh. it's like it's so fun like oh, it is God. helpful it's so helpful do you know his moon sign uh libra and then his oh. rising is gemini i no, leo leo rising leo nice yeah. nice nice so i love that your moon signs are compatible um you know i believe every moon sign can learn to be compatible but it is very much so because you're a Gemini moon and he's a Libra moon. So yeah, just the communication can flow. That's great. And that's really one of my favorite uh, utilities of astrology is the fact that it can accelerate meaningful relationships. It really can. Yeah, I feel like it definitely did. Oh. Like one of the first or second times we hung out, we like talked about our charts and I was like, this is so fun. Like we're getting so deep already. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Yeah, you go so deep with astrology and it's blow it consistently blows me away I should stop being surprised by now but I'm not I'm just so like wow this look at what this conversation can do to get people to self-disclose and be vulnerable and open up to other people about their grit and their grace and their strength and their struggle I and then what a beautiful opportunity as an astrologer to just bear witness to the lived experiences and the stories of other people it's, it's an amazing and amazing work. I really, I'm so grateful for it. Yeah. I, I feel like you feel the same way, but it's like, I, I can't hear enough about people's stories and people's no. own self-actualizations like that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And thank God we have Gemini in our chart that just makes us so curious about that. Right. Cause we're just like, tell me about you and tell me about why you're the way that you are. Yeah. And like, are we using astrology as a lens? Are we using us? Uh, systems of life coach and personal growth as one says yeah but it I never ever get bored of listening to what other people are doing it's true yeah and I'm, I'm sure you have the personality as well where it's like in a coffee shop or an airport or anywhere somehow I meet someone and they know uh, some other person and then it's like we're friends and then somehow we're like best friends I'm like who is this person that I just met five minutes ago yes yes that's big Gemini energy they say we never meet a stranger yeah, because we're just always talking and yapping and who are you? But the, but the, but, right? I know. Definitely. Um, I wanted to ask too about about like more about houses and kind of just sure. like an explanation of what the houses kind of what what do they come from? Because I think I'm that is the one thing in astrology that I haven't really dove into. Yeah. So, well, the houses, if I remember correctly, from the work of uh, Chris Brennan, who is a uh, traditional classical astrologer, uh, he did a wonderful uh, video analysis on how, like, basically the history of astrology and how the house system was a model that was developed within Hellenistic astrology. So, ancient Greece, Egypt, and uh, that which came forward from Assyria and Babylon. That's where we got the Tetrabiblios and the really first, I guess you could say, primary source of astrology, right? So, the houses, again, were developed, I want to say, by the ancient Egyptians. And in the natal chart, they are 12. Now I'm going to speak very New York here. They're, they're 12 slices of pizza. Okay. And <laughs> it's right. Cause we're eating pizza. Okay. And they, a lot of astrologers would get so mad at me for this, but I think this is a quick way to just unlock the front door. If you want to know the way in 
but not the entirety of each house, cross-reference the chronological, the number of the house, right, to the chronological order of a zodiac sign. So for example, the sixth house corresponds to Virgo because Virgo is the sixth sign in astrology. So once you know, oh, so Virgo is typically about all the little micro habits that we can make that turn into rituals and routines for us to become the people we're capable of and finding like almost godliness and cleanliness, you know, and uh, really the organizational structures of our lives and the personal infrastructures of our lives, then you know a great deal about the sixth house. But the sixth house also has to do with aunts and uncles, pets, nurses, you know, there's a lot of doctors, psycho no, psychologists are eighth house, but yeah, it's a great way in. It's a great way in. Um, and then there, to make things even more complex, uh, there's a lot of different house systems that astrologers use, right? So there's whole sign houses, Placidus, Campanus, uh, there's a bunch of different ones. I personally just use Placidus because again, my lived experience has shown that it's more accurate. So I hope that breaks down the houses a little bit better. What do you think? Yeah, it definitely does. I know before you were talking about the sixth and the 10th house. What were you saying yeah. that those correspond yeah. to? So, well, Virgo is the sixth sign of the zodiac, right? So Virgo, when we're thinking about what they do in a work form, they'll listen to other people's goals and say, great, I want that for you too. Now let's think about what you're doing proactively to make the space to hold and inhabit all that you want to receive. Because if your house is not clean, I don't want to know why you're surprised that guests aren't coming over if you haven't made the space for it, okay? So that's what I love about Virgo Energy is they're everyone's biggest cheerleader, but they're also inefficiency radar experts. <laughs> they can go into spaces and be like, nope, 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 trim that, cut that, nope, 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 move this over. And they're all about taking a stand and making the space for, you could say the 10th house to really uh, emerge. And the 10th house is what? Typically ruled by Capricorn. Well, absolutely ruled by Capricorn, but it doesn't have all the Capricorn things. So Capricorn, the way that I look at it is the sole purpose. This isn't, you know, vocation and what I get paid for a living to do. This is the work that makes us feel so fully alive that we would do it for free. And because it's infused with love and service and responsibility and a sense of commitment to the ages, the universe just wants us to be financially free so that we don't have to worry about economic insecurity and economic anxiety and thus have tremendous creative vision and potential to contribute miraculously. But Capricorn is a zodiac sign that says, you want that? Well, take radical responsibility for who the hell you are. Let's have you really do some significant personal growth work. Let's also have you really grounded in discipline, integrity, impeccability, consistency. Otherwise, you're not going to get anything. <laughs> I'm a Capricorn moon. So that energy just full, tumbles out of my mouth. Um, but it's true. You know, big Capricorn energy is really looking at people's strategies and also the quality of their emotional landscape. Because I really love polarity therapy and astrology. So you look at the zodiac signs polar opposite to see certain clues to what the one has to offer. So Capricorn's polar opposite is cancer. And what's super interesting is that uh, Capricorns are almost projected as 
emotionally stoic, false compartmentalizing, you know, emotionally distanced, a, a sense of like denial and disengagement of that emotion. That's not true. They're just really, really, really emotionally regulated. And so your 10th house shows how the vast majority of your professional success is determined by the quality of your emotion regulation skills. If you let your emotions run wild, if you offload your emotions, if you have a really bad attitude with the wrong person at the wrong time, good fucking luck, right? So Capricorn energy that takes a stand for emotion regulation and says, look, it is not easy to be in pursuit of mastery. You know, you can almost look at the sixth and 10th house as the sixth house is concerned, is concerned with like a success driven outcome, right? Like I woke up at 8.30 and meditated for five minutes, free uh, journaled for three pages, like outcome driven. Capricorn energy, the 10th house is driven by mastery. And Dr. Sarah Lewis, who is an academic at Harvard, she says that mastery is the divine dissatisfaction of a goal forever out of reach. Wow. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, just out of reach. I almost made it. Let me keep trying. Mastery, the pursuit of mastery. And that's why they're Capricorn, the 10th house, the mountain climber, right? It's like, there's nothing easy about climbing a mountain, you know? Boom, boom. It is hard. It's one after the other, blah, blah, blah. And it's, uh, it's phenomenal. So anyway, I don't know if that reduces what you wanted to know. You kind of, I went on my soapbox there, but. Yeah, I know that, that definitely explains some things and explains some things for me and is at least interesting for me because I'm looking at my houses and I said oh, my, my Saturn was in Aries and it's in the 10th house, which I think. Is oh, really, wow. Is interesting. Wow. Yeah. So your Saturn return work is going to be primarily professionally related. 100% and probably reviewing, is this what I want to do? Is this who I want to do it with? Have I learned, because Saturn is all about like the research, the learning, have I learned really effective systems of leadership? Lots of questions. Yeah. Definitely. Very, very interesting stuff. And I'm like, I had like a huge realization, the Aries new moon this year about like, oh, great that I was putting myself into this like science box and wasn't allowing myself to be like the artist that I was. Oh, and I feel like that has been like kind of the theme since like the Aries new moon of me. of like exploring All the art things that I shut down before. Yes. Yes. And connecting to art as a foundation for vibrancy, life force and everything Aries wants of you. Have you done the artist way by Julia Cameron? No, but I've been wanting to. Don't delay, do it immediately, 100%. Yeah, just do it. I won't even tell you why, just if that's, yeah, forget it, just do it. (laughs) I'll do it and I'll I'll report back to you. Please, because I'm halfway through and it has probably changed my life. Yeah, and I, I clearly, you see, I don't like just throw those words around, but it really has at the time that I've been working through it, it has changed my life. Yeah, well, I definitely will give it a try. I'm excited. Sure. It's been on, I don't know. You know how the Gemini mind things, oh. it's like there's 17 books on the list. Hello. 1700. <laughs> <laughs> I know you forgot two zeros, right? I know. 1700, honestly. Yep. So it can be, it can be tough to choose one. I feel like the universe has to give me signs to a certain book before I yes. get it. The artist way. <laughs> I have it somewhere. Yeah, see? 
perfect. This is the one. This is all the one. The, all the sign I needed. Um, yeah, right in front yeah. of me. <laughs> and I think we we already touched on this, but I just kind of wanted to ask, like, you know, I feel like your approach to astrology is very, very different and very nuanced. Like, what do you oh, think makes you. the way you approach astrology kind of different? And I know you've talked about like A Course in Miracles mm. and trying to incorporate kind of psychology research as well. Mm. So, mm. you know, it's, I, I try not to spend a whole lot of time. I'll be really honest with you. Like thinking like, what makes me unique? <laughs> you know, Leo uh, rising though. I know. I know. <laughs> One would think no. Um, <laughs> no, my Leo rising comes out in the Britney dance videos. The, I like, love it, those. Thank They're you. My thank you. I got to keep <laughs> learning new choreography. Um, that's really where it comes out of just like, oh God, can we lighten up with some laughter song and dance? Please. But in terms of uh, what makes me different, yeah, I honestly don't know. You might have to ask the people because I, I am certainly not the first relational astrologer. I am certainly not the first or the last astrologer to talk about A Course of Miracles or, you know, I've gone to lectures by other astrologers who are clinical psychologists and social workers and substance abuse counselors. And I've seen them bring about a deeply uh, humanistic approach to astrology. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know, actually, I, I wish I had an answer, but you'd have to ask the people who almost survey because I'm just so invested in, let me make sure that I sing the song I'm supposed to sing. I'm not even worried about what song is that one singing, you know? Definitely. I, I think what makes you different for me is kind of like the Gemini nuance but then also oh. the Gemini like fun like, oh. it, like it's so it's so fun but it's also like wow he's saying really deep and insightful things from so many different angles and it's oh thank you know, you're welcome thank you. <laughs> that, that makes me feel seen I definitely yeah I think and and this actually might be I, I certainly don't think that like we have monopoly on it but I do think, to be honest with you, there's something really amazing about being a New Yorker who has watched people have really multidimensional lives. I mean, like the women that raised me, my, my father, my aunts, my uncles, my teachers, they all had absolutely amazing senses of humor and were kind of, you know, very much this like gaudy, over-the-top archetype of a person, you know, who like laughs at themselves, but like doesn't care the jokes on, they know that if they're in on the joke, they can't be, they can't have the joke on them, but they were deeply, deeply, deeply thoughtful and intelligent and compassionate. And many, many years ago, I went to Montauk, which is the farthest east section of Long Island. And I was there with my friend who is from Montauk and she was just introducing me to all these people. And my friend is a phenomenal spiritual facilitator and astrologer. And so I was meeting these people who would like go to her ceremonies, right? And I met this woman who was like, oh, Madeline, that's her name. She was like, I just want to say thank you so much for the crystal recommendations. I've been talking about it with my sons and their astrologies. We might do some past life progression therapy. I was like, wow. And then I was like, hey, so what do you do for a living? And she said, I'm a federal judge for the Eastern District of New York. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> you know, like range, that yes. range. So you are on the bench of the federal court of the Eastern District of New York, and you're giving your children crystals. I, I'm sorry. I don't see that a ton. It's probably there. 
I don't see that a ton in other parts of America. I really don't. You know, yes. there is something very New York about that. You know, just like, wow, just when I thought I had you figured out, I find out you do this. And yes. so thank you, because I try to bring that in my work all the time. It's like this quality of I could be this and I could be that. So don't try to put me in a box, because as long as I'm being true to me, we will get along just fine. Yes. And I, I love meeting people that fit outside of that box. And um, before Boston, I lived in New Orleans. And I think people oh. are very outside of the box there. Yeah. live lives like that of being a judge. Oh, great. But they're in a Mardi Gras parade. And like, right. they're also like, I don't know, doing some voodoo stuff or like right. whatever it may be. And like Boston is very, in my opinion, is very... Mm we like things in these boxes and they stay. okay okay yeah because i was gonna say maybe it's like just byproduct of living in the city but you're saying well not in all cities yeah I don't yes think so i think there's certain cities that have that that like type of magic and new york is definitely one of them and new orleans Without a doubt. <laughs> and i would even say los angeles i mean yeah i think they like New York leads with more of like productivity, intelligence, blah, blah, blah. And then they whisper about astrology, you know? Yes. Um, in Los Angeles, they lead with all the things we love, metaphysical, astrology, spirituality. And then you'll find out that they are wildly intelligent, work for this place, have started their own business in their own startup. So yeah, you're right. I think there is a certain quality of cities that accommodate for people who are this, that, and not only, but also. Um, but yeah, thank you for saying that. Cause I do think that that's something I try to do or, or I'm just doing. And a lot of it, frankly, is to just to honor the women and the people that raised me. They have so much range. They're so intelligent. They're so funny. They're so thoughtful and compassionate and empathetic too. They're just, they're so human. They're so wholeheartedly human. And I think New York, uh, like many cities just has so much heart in that. And I try to put the heart that New York gave me into the work that I do. Oh, yeah. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And, you know, this is being recorded almost 20 years after 9-11, because tomorrow is September 11th. So I have been thinking about, like, you know, what makes me a New Yorker, how that's incorporated in my astrology, in my, in my work. So I think that's that. Yeah, yeah, it's super fitting. And I have to say, when you said that I made you feel seen, I feel like that's, like, the best thing, like, I feel like a Virgo could hear or a cancer maybe, but for me, I was like, oh my God, I made him feel seen. (laughs) My Virgos always do. Yeah, no, that's, I love my Virgos. Yeah, no, they totally do through their cognition, through their communication and just a perception that holds, oh, Colin has paradox. So do I. So does everybody, you know? Uh, But no, my Virgos are always like this, that, here's where you got it right here's where you got this challenge, knock them dead next time. So yeah, we're Mercury sisters. We have to be the ones to sort of reflect each other back to each other. Yes. Yes. I feel like I have so many other things to talk with you about. So you're just, we'll do it again. You're just going to have to come back on and we're going to talk all about relationships next time. Yeah, let's do it. Maybe, (laughs) you know what? Venus will go retrograde in Capricorn at the end of December. So let's do it just before the year is up. We'll do like a Venus retrograde rundown. Okay. I would Done. love that. And that Done. segues perfectly into my last question of sure. 
any like transits or exciting oh. things coming up for the rest of the year? Like what to expect? Total destruction and disarray again. Total disarray, <laughs> of course. Right. No. So <laughs> that's what I love about Virgos too, is they have such a great sense of humor. I have always said that. I'm like, you guys have not laughed until a Virgo <laughs> has imitated, said a funny joke at the right time. Virgos are forever making me laugh. So the transits, we got some pretty wild ones. Well, uh, Mercury will go retrograde on September 27th until October 18th in Libra. And we are asked to sort of depolarize our thinking and depolarize the way that we relate to other people. In November, we're going to have a lunar eclipse in Taurus. And that's what will begin an eclipse activation until 2023 on the Taurus-Scorpio axis. So this will be the first time... Excuse me, we have had an eclipse in the Taurus Scorpio axis since 2013 or 2016? 20, yeah, 2013 actually was the last one. Yeah. So a long time. Um, and then Jupiter's going to enter Pisces at the end of the year and stay there. And then Venus will retrograde in Capricorn. So the universe has plenty in store for us. And uh, I th- I'm excited about it though. I, I really believe that 2022's energy is going to be beautifully celebratory and uplifting because Jupiter was in Pisces quick from May 13th to June 27th. And that was when the uh, mask uh, mandates were lifted. People were vaccinated. There was hope. There was possibility. Jupiter in Pisces is beautiful. And it was only there for a few weeks. And then, boom, it retrograded back into Aquarius. So we kind of aren't totally done with the Aquarius work, right? So with Jupiter and Pisces, the vast majority of next year, I feel really excited about this. Yay. Yay. I'm ready to celebrate. We all are. I know. My God, lead the way. I'm following you. We'll go to Mardi Gras, go back to New York, whatever. But yeah, I think the world (laughs) is. And I think that we will have that chance actually starting at the beginning of next year. Yay. I'm excited. I had a little taste of it this weekend in New York. So I'm ready to do more. Where did you go? Where'd you stay? Um, I stayed in Soho. Beautiful. Beautiful. And yeah, we, I guess our main night was Saturday. We kind of went all around to little like dive bars and like the Lower East Side and the East Village. And then, then we ended oh. up at a club and it was fun. <laughs> love it. Love it. A New York weekend. There's nothing like it, right? Nothing like it. And my, no. uh, my Gemini energy, anytime I go to a club, I'm like, where's an elevated surface that I can dance on? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I didn't even know that was a Gemini thing because that's exactly what I do too. Like, I can't just dance in the floor. It's like, where's the elevated surface? Right, because I don't want anybody (laughs) near me and I just need the room to move. And (laughs) there was this gay club in Hell's Kitchen and it had like, like an elevated platform and I would always go to the tippy tippy top we had about this much space so I would just not move but I would like dance against the wall and I was so much happier there than any other place yeah exactly I don't want anyone to touch me like please do not touch me but I want my whole space alone (laughs) (laughs) that's definitely Gemini energy yep wow I didn't even know that that's where that came from so thank you for that read I love it (laughs) thank you and where in North Carolina do you live um, the Outer Banks. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Okay, yeah. I haven't been there yet, but I've uh, been to Wilmington, obviously was in Charlotte for a little while. That's where I spent my pandemic. Raleigh-Durham. I went to Asheville. Yeah, you have a beautiful state. I love the state of North Carolina. They're good people. There's a lot of soul to them, a lot of soul. Yeah, we have a lot of good different areas. Like, I feel like we don't have a lot of like 
great cities but we have like the beach the mountains like yeah little or cities oh gotcha and the people are lovely there's um there's they have great senses of humor uh there there's a big eclectic mix too you know so many northerners like my family and me moved down there so there's just like a lot of different people at once but you could tell it's still a southern city and they're you know really honoring what makes the south the south so i love north carolina yeah there are good things about the south totally totally good things (laughs) well hello yeah look what happened in georgia you know north carolina was blue by a few percentage points nothing crazy you know, mm-hmm. so it's just the South is having a moment of like, I don't, I don't want to call it reckoning, but like almost reconstruction, like the, this, the reconstruction era is continuing. I don't know, but it like, it looks a little different. It's some things are changing down there. Yeah. I feel like if you want to know, get to know the fun, funky South the best, it's like go to New Orleans. There's like Ugh. not a more fun Southern energy in like on the planet. It's amazing. I got to get my ass there. I know. I will go. I will go one day. Marty so, Brawl 2022, Colin. We're going. Meet you down there. <laughs> <laughs> Gemini Virgo. You're like, you guys are going to a party? Yes. We do more than just talk and learn. Okay. Thank you. We All talk right. at the party. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh, I love it. I really do. I swear. I don't play favorites, but I only have one Mercury sibling and it's Virgo. So uh, I love you guys. Oh, thank you. This was so fun i knew i would love talking to you and likewise just so much more to say of course always never always never end so we'll do it in december yes (laughs) thank you welcome